This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability. Getting ready for 500 miles in the Bank of America 500. 12 drivers still with a chance at the championship. Those 12 drivers will be fighting on a very tough racetrack. Drivers, start your engines. The first race of the round of 12. Green flags in the air. The high groove is going to be tested early. Brian Newman spins in the 31. And you see the flames already rolling out of the right side. We're done. Kevin Harvick, stage one winner. Caution on the racetrack. And you see a lot of smoke and a lot of damage to the right side of that 18. Kevin Harvick, he will sweep the stages at Charlotte. And the 18 once again got into the wall in turn four. This is the last thing Martin Truex Jr. wanted to see. Around goes Kurt Busch. Busch comes back up the racetrack. The caution comes out. Coming out of turn four, Martin Truex Jr. will win the Bank of America 500. Welcome to NASCAR America. Chris Devota alongside Kyle Petty, our crew chief, Steve Letarte. It was Charlotte's race weekend, so we thought, let's keep the show in town for a few days, too. Seems appropriate, right? Well, yeah. I mean, why not? Yeah. If you're going to have the race, we might as well have, might the, show as well have the show. Now, I just talked to you, what, 24 hours ago yes. in Victory Lane. So let's start with you. What uh, stands out to you or your thoughts that you want to talk about? Well, well, I think it was an exciting race to start off the second round, the round of 12. I think the big thing that stood out to me was other than Kyle Busch with his accident, every other playoff driver was well inside yeah. the top 15 most of the day. So the performance has gone up, and I think that intensity is going to continue throughout the playoffs. Yeah, I, it, it, that's what stood out to me was the round of 12, all 12 have stepped up a notch. Yeah. Uh, we saw performances out of some guys that I felt like had been invisible. The other thing that stood out to me yesterday uh, was that – all day for the first day, I wasn't mistaken for Steve Latart. This is, That's what's your me. name? Uh, yeah, I'm Steve Latart. And I'm Kyle Petty. And somehow this happens. And yes. it never, you guys didn't get mistaken for each no, other? No, not yesterday. That first time all year. Happened. First time all year. Let's go ahead and take a quick look at the highlights from yesterday, talking about how the competition was just ramped up. And we saw it right away, really in stage one. What was great from the start, a dry track. It was overcast, but we were able to get, yes. get some racing right away. Well, I'll take dry any day. And Kevin Harvick took the dry track as well. He showed his dominance very early on, easily clearing the 24 of Chase Elliott, and then taking that, extending that lead, and winning the first stage. Yeah, it was. Uh, you saw that number four out there uh, quite a bit. Stage two pretty much started out the same way. Stage two, yeah. He, obviously, he was the gap, but... This is a guy that we did not expect to have trouble. I didn't expect to have trouble. Goes, goes in with so many points, uh, like 42 points, a huge cushion. It just snaps out from under him. Listening to you guys yesterday, Jeff and Steve, you know, it almost appeared like something broke. It, it snaps so quick. But, the, uh, but the when crew, you run on the ragged edge like that, that's going to happen. The crew did a great job because yes. they were on the five-minute clock, able to get him back out there. But we saw a lot of action, not just on the track, but on pit road. Well, pit crews, we knew were going to be important. Anytime you have a 500-mile race at a mile and a half, you know it's going to be a tremendous amount of pit stops. And the 78 crew, not only did they have a good car, but they had a great pit crew. And the driver helped right here coming to green flag pit stops. Closes up about seven car lengths, giving that pit crew a chance to pass them on pit road. 
All right, caution, and we'll, here, we've seen this. Yeah, you know, and, and we talked about, you guys talked about it yesterday. Once that thing is damaged, once that right rear that gives you that side force, that gives you that down force, once you don't have that cushion, uh, you're just hanging on. And then Truex, once again, I feel like we're going to talk about Truex a lot in these highlights because yeah. he wins the race off pit road. Well, we saw a lot of lead changes off pit road, but we also saw some trouble. Yeah, we saw trouble here with the 42. That's what this pit stop was all about. He was up challenging for the lead. Second, third, right along in there. Drops out of the top ten. Oh, and then the pit stop heard around the world. Right here was the 48. They leave. They have a missing lug nut in the left front. He backs up a little bit. The tire changer puts it on. I was wondering during the broadcast if that would be a penalty or not. NASCAR cleared up the rules. It's very clear to me now. We're going to talk about it later in the yeah. show, but it was all above board. Just maybe failed the eye test. If, yes. Charlotte Motor Speedway is Jimmy Johnson's playground. He was injured on the jungle gym there. Yes, I yeah. guess is the best way to say it. So how about this restart? Um, this is second to the last, right? Because we went into overtime. Second to last restart. Yeah, the 78 gets a great restart. But look, a couple rows behind him right here. The 41 of Kurt Busch goes into a huge slide. Contacts the 42. He came and spoke to him after the race. He, you know, he didn't mean to. You see about crash. I think the 42 yeah. might have been the only thing that saved him from the wall. But unfortunately, eliminated both the 41 and 42 from contention. So after a five-hour rain delay on Saturday, we go into overtime on Sunday. Fans get their money's worth here. Yeah, the, la the final restart. And, and the Martin Truex looks in the rearview mirror, sees those guys side by side. But I'm going to tell you, the 24 of Chase Elliott, uh, valiant effort for him, great run by him, and, and Kevin Harvick. We saw him win the first two legs, comes back to, to finish third. And big Jamie day. McMurray, a big run yes, as big well. Day. But this was um, this is never good to see Kyle Busch having some issues after the race. Well, you see the damaged race car behind him, and you know, there's certain things in there that seal the driver's yeah. department. They obviously were knocked out, so you got to give him an A-plus for the effort. Get it to and the finish. And he was okay. Talk to Dave Burns afterwards. We're going to play that for you a little bit later in the show, but let's take a look at the playoff leaderboard. Uh, seven of the eight drivers, you guys talked about this, the seven of the eight above the cut line all had top ten finishes. The lone exception was Kyle Busch. He was 41 points ahead of the cut line going into this race, now just 12. Martin Truex Jr. has a lot to be happy about. Not only did he win the race, he moves on to the round of eight. So lucky to get to do this, and uh, I don't know. It's one of those weekends, a lot, of, a lot of pressure. You know, we qualified poorly, and I was mad about it, and Cole was mad about it, and then 20 minutes later, we're like, all right, I think this is where we went wrong, and he's like, yeah, that's what we did wrong. We we screwed up. We'll get him Sunday. So um, just thankful to him and, uh, and this whole team and Barney and everybody for giving us everything we need. Everybody at Gibbs for the chassis and, you know, the collaboration on the aero side. I mean, uh, these guys work really well together, so I got a lot, a lot to thank those guys for. Auto owners insurance today, um, they've been pretty lucky on this car. And uh, they started this thing without even telling me at their offices, and um, they said it's called Ride with Martin for our next race. And, Everybody contributed money to my foundation to have their name on the car, and they gave me a check today for $75,000 for our foundation. So they're an unbelievable partner. So thank you to them. I'm so happy to get them in victory lane. It's just surreal, man, this whole year. So just thankful. Martin, we see the emotion, and we know your story is an emotional one, whether on the track or off the track. Um, we don't see Sherry here right now. We know you guys, you and your longtime girlfriend, have been, been through a lot. And when you think of what's happening, whether you're on the track and you're frustrated about qualifying, like you said, the fact that you get checked for your foundation, everything that you guys go through, I know the highs are higher, but you take guys take it one day at a time. Is that what this emotion is all about that I'm seeing in your eyes right now? Yeah, you just you try to hold it all in all the time, and you don't have to. Can't. You don't have you to. Just can't, but she's at home, so hope you're feeling good today, babe. Love you. 
So I do want to say, in the last 24 hours, I've actually received a lot of backlash for that interview. A lot of fans out there found it over the top or unfair to Martin. And of course, and we say this all the time, fans yeah. entitled to your own opinions. But I did start hearing people um, who thought Martin and Sherry were somehow playing the emotion card. And that's when I said, stop. Stop. Stop right yeah, there. Yeah. I on, communicated people. with Sherry last night to let her know <laughs> my goal was to tell their story. It was a new audience. The first time yeah. one of Martin's wins yeah. had been on NBC. So a lot of the folks watching did not know their story. And so exactly. I said, Sherry, is there another message that you want out there? Uh, first of all, she was great with the interview. She said, uh, you know, she doesn't know why Martin was so emotional other than just their story continues. Yeah. She said, um, really, she just wants to know everyone to keep track of your health, be your own advocate, go to SherryStrong.org for more information, and most important, to live life to the fullest, because that's what they do every single day. Yeah. Well, they do, and I think they are the perfect example of of finding a way to go through this adversity and doing it r relatively publicly because he is a superstar yeah. race car driver, and then he goes out, and I know he appreciates the opportunity to drive. Forget winning. Yeah. Appreciates the opportunity to drive on Sunday more than anything. It shows when he has bad days, not that we have seen very many, or bad pit stops or issues that they're kind of a different level to everybody else. He, he can kind of put those aside yes. and do his job. Yeah, this is, this is a piece of their life together. Um, and, and we are very blessed um, to have them as an example. I said it yesterday, man, these guys are an inspiration. They're an inspiration to so many people. Life is a funny thing. They have it. They understand it. They understand the perspective they need to have uh, to win races, or, or excuse me, to go out on a weekly basis and not get down, to stay that even kill. Every day is a victory. Every moment's a victory. Uh, and they cherish those. And, and I think it's part of the story. People that give you slack on stuff like that, uh, they're just in their parents' basement somewhere. Well, don't worry, the don't, worry thing, don't worry. No, the important thing, it wasn't about, it's about who Sherry and Martin are. Yeah. You know, they are the most selfless couple you will ever meet. They were, they've been raising thousands of dollars for, for pediatric cancer way before Sherry herself yes. was diagnosed. I mean, this didn't just start because yeah. Sherry's diagnosis. They have right. had the foundation uh, for many years. And uh, we continue. They're just, they're such, they're her tweet too. You know, this is what, and Martin's, Martin's face lit up when he saw yeah. this because obviously he had he had talked to her. He, you know, he kind of gave her those messages from Victory Lane. But I don't think he saw this until he came over and yeah. joined us um, on the post race show. So she did say that she uh, she told me last night she had chemo on Monday and she just couldn't be at the racetrack because her you know she can't risk infection right now. So she is watching and uh, we wish him the best. Yeah, for sure. So one of the stories, of course, uh, another one. Kyle Busch entered Sunday's race looking for his third straight win. However, that crash we showed you on lap 136 began a series of problems for the 18 team. It was on that crash that the car's crush panels, and, and correct me if I'm not saying this correctly, uh, Steve, but it was the crush panels we saw on that damage is what really probably led to some of this, some of the, the carbon monoxide he took in. Yeah, I mean, so basically you see where the tires are on a car. Well, they protect the driver from the tire compartment, and where you have the exhaust comes in underneath the car, it has to be sealed up. As those become knocked out, what happens is that the fumes get up inside, and even though they have sealed helmets, it's still yeah. not a healthy situation. And plus, it just gets warmer, and you don't have the yeah. fresh air. And I'm sure that car was harder to drive. And I want to get your take on it in just a minute. But let's hear what Kyle had to say. Uh, again, he spoke to uh, Dave Burns following his release from the infield care center following the race. I got heat soaked and uh, felt like I had heat stroke, you know, just from being inside the race car for 200 laps with the crush panels knocked out of it. So um, obviously it was my bad, just trying to get a little too much too early in the race and uh, got out too high in the groove, oh, out of the groove. and. Got myself in the fence and just tore the right side off of it. So uh, my guys did a good job trying to rebound and get it back together as much as we could throughout the day. And after I first tore it up, it was just a handful from there on out. And running, I mean, literally as soon as I did it, just coasting around under caution, you could feel it being about 50 degrees hotter inside the car. So um, it just got so hot that uh, literally 
felt like you were going to puke and um, and just trying to make it to the end of the race and and luckily we did and from there just trying to get cooled back down get body temperature back to normal they said my co was in the double digits you know so obviously fighting some of that as well too but overall um you know that was just the hottest i've been in the car i didn't feel sick from the co or anything like that but uh, i just felt heat stroke you know and i've had that before living out in vegas uh you have that a few times when you're playing outside in the summer as a kid so i knew what it was i knew what it felt like but um you know the only way to do it is just get out and get cooled down Kyle, this was something we discussed at length on the post-race show, the fact that it wasn't just Kyle. Martin talked yeah. about how exhausted he was, and it's almost like we heard it in some of the other interviews and the yeah, voices. We, you could hear it in their voices, yeah. and, and you've heard it as yeah. a crew chief a million times on the radio or when the race is over. A driver's voice gets a little bit taller, a little bit higher. He, his breathing is a little bit different, and that's that's from the heat. That's from the exhaustion. That's from dehydration, and, and Jamie McMurray said it best. He said, it's 80 degrees. Uh, I didn't think it was going to be hot. I didn't think it was going to be hot in the car. I thought I was going to, I just didn't hydrate enough. I didn't plan enough. I didn't get ahead of it. I think it caught a lot of drivers off guard as humid as it was yesterday. So if you're caught off guard and then you have something happen to your car, like happened to Kyle Busch, you're going to be laying in the grass, uh, taking oxygen, trying to get your core temperature back down. We saw the ice packs on his wrist, on the back of his neck, on the back of his legs as ankles where the big veins blow through. Remember I said I stayed at a Holiday Inn Express. Yes. Uh, that's because I've been there right. on pit road before, so you know what those signs are. Um, but I, I don't think it'll catch any of these guys off guard the rest of the year. I think they'll be prepared. Well, I think it's worth pointing out that Kyle put that battle on for a few points, five yeah. or six right. points. Yes. I mean, he only finished somewhere, yeah. you know, towards the back of the pack. 35th through 40th, I'll get one point. Yeah. There were no extra points available, so he basically put this battle on and, and risked this to – reward his team with an extra five or six points. I think that says a lot about the race car driver. This wasn't for the win. This is what to ride around in the yeah. back and just trying to complete the laps. Well, we have a lot of ground to cover here on NASCAR America. So what do we have coming up for you over the next hour? Well, we talked about Jimmy Johnson at 48 team, specifically the pit stop. They were storylines on Sunday. We will hear Jimmy and get NASCAR's reaction on the controversial pit stop. And for the third time in four playoff races, Chase Elliott finished second. This one felt a little different. We'll discuss why. Dale Earnhardt Jr. raced at Charlotte for the last time as a full-time cup driver. We'll hear from those in Jr.'s hometown who wanted to say thanks to NASCAR's most popular driver. And we will salute the 78 pit crew. This was a total team effort. NASCAR America just getting started. Wednesday night rivalry makes its season debut in a star-studded clash between Sidney Crosby's Pittsburgh Penguins and Alex Ovechkin's Washington Capitals. Ovechkin has played two games this season. He had a hat trick in the first game and then four goals in his second. So, yeah, he's kind of hot. Coverage begins Wednesday at 7.30 Eastern on NBCSN. Back to NASCAR, one moment from yesterday's race that stirred up conversation was Jimmy Johnson's pit stop on lap 280. Now, it appeared the front tire changer secured lug nuts on Johnson's left front tire while the 48 was outside of its box. NASCAR elected not to penalize the 48 team. Here's reaction, starting with the driver. Uh, Jack dropped and I went and it didn't look like they were done. So um, I had to stop and back up and just went off Chad's cues and uh, where and what to do. A couple weeks ago, we had something happen like that in, uh, in New Hampshire, um, and NASCAR has informed us that um, we just got to get that lug nut on, and we, it wasn't important for us to get back in the pit box. So um, Chad made that call. I wasn't even aware. I kind of felt like we needed to be in the pit box, but Chad had the conversation with NASCAR and was instructing me on what to do, and we got the lug nut on and off we went and restarted 17th, and 
you know, my car was not happy, not fun to drive, but it was a lot better than others, and I was able to get up to seventh with the low Chevy. I was under the assumption they were, you know, as a one-lap penalty. Um, so I was, uh, I was a little confused on, on that call. We've been calling that particular thing for uh, consistently over the past couple of years with the lug nuts. The way we look at that one is they did their normal pit stop in the pit box. He left. They realized they had a lug nut, and at that point to us, it becomes a it becomes a safety issue, and allowing them to put the lug nut on, the penalty then becomes they lost probably 10 or 12 spots during that pit stop. So that's a penalty. We let them do that because we want to make sure that it's a, a safe situation out there on the racetrack. Does everybody know that's the way we've been calling it? Potentially not, but uh, the ones that have done it, and uh, not been called? Certainly no. And we will circle back with the industry now that this has become the big topic and see if we need to do anything different. But for two years, it's been consistent, and it will continue to be consistent between now and the end of the year. That emotional shot of the front tire changer. Uh, that was Senior Vice President of Competition Scott Miller with NASCAR's explanation on today's edition of the Morning Drive. Steve, we talked about this last night. Now 24 hours removed, and after hearing from NASCAR, now, how do you feel? Well, I think the first thing we need to talk about the pit stop and the lack of penalty. And when I go back and I read the rules and I go through it, I completely understand that there shouldn't be a penalty for the 48. Um, it's hard to explain, but think about a car that slides long into yeah. the pit box, tire changer starts to take lug nuts off, you push the car back, jack it up, change tires, everything's fine. Well, that's also hitting the lug nuts outside of the pit box. So by the rule, the 48 shouldn't have been penalized. I questioned it during the broadcast simply because it failed the eye test. When I look down from the booth and I see a car half out of yeah. the broadcast, I think it's important to explain to the fans, hey, look, this looks really different. We'll hear from NASCAR. They informed us no penalty. My bigger issue is here we are on Monday, and Chad Canales was – Crystal clear. He understood what the rule was. So he told us, or he told the world, yeah. yes. hey, I knew what it is. Jimmy, this is what you need to do. Put the lug nut on. Cole Pern, who I consider very smart, he wins the race. He gets asked by Nate Ryan, you saw right there. <laughs> well, I didn't know. I thought it was going to be a penalty. Then we hear Scott Miller say, does everyone know? Well, potentially not. Okay, that is an issue for me. Huge. I don't think NASCAR gets criticized about consistency. This had nothing to do with consistency. The lack of a penalty was being consistent, yeah. and I applaud them. Yes. But I have an issue with communication. Kyle, in today's world of emails, text message, everything, if Jimmy Johnson and Chad Knauss, Chad Knauss is a seven-time champion. If he needs a rule explained in further detail, I think all the competitors should at least get a, hey, yeah. guess what, guys? This yeah. was a topic of conversation. If you have questions, come talk to us. Yeah, I think I agree. People up and down pit road were scratching their heads and other parts of their bodies trying to figure out what the crap happened right here because it failed the eye test when you looked at it. Hey, let, let's go back to, to, to Kyle Busch. He has a gas man that just steps over the wall, and he's penalized. He's penalized. The guy's just standing there. He doesn't have anything in his hand. He's right. not part of the pit stop, and he's penalized. You put that visually against what we saw yesterday and what we've been told for so many years Pitting outside the box, car in the box, got to do this. Got Cars sliding through their pits, backing up, and servicing them. This was way off base. But, as Steve said, according to the rules, according to the rule book, this is legal. Now, I do have a major issue with part of the teams knowing the rules and part of the teams not knowing the rules and the subtleties of the rules. If you read some of the things that these guys have said, it's, well, there's so many subtleties to the things that we do. If we had to tell everybody up and down pit road, everybody would be confused. 
My head just spun around. I don't know what the crap that means. Let's be honest. There's no subtleties when you go through the, the room of doom and you go through that. There's not a subtlety on that cage when it drops down. If there were, we'd have more cars going through on time and we'd have more cars sitting on the line. So how can there be a subtlety for this rule? No subtlety for that rule. And part of the guys know it and part of the guys don't. I don't know what sport we're playing because that doesn't make any sense to me. Well, now, Krista, listen, there will be conversations because I can read it if you want. It's pretty complicated. It's, you know, 10.9.7. I've gone through the rule book. Trust yes. me, it was my old job. <laughs> I know every page of it, and I understand how it's written. But words on paper is very different than a call in a race, right? It's not out of bounds and inbounds. Yeah. It's, it's kind of the flow. And while legal gets involved, you, there's words in here that we don't use because legal is involved. Because these penalties are huge, yeah. and it eliminates people from championship contention. So they have to be buttoned up, but they also aren't, sometimes aren't the easiest to understand. So conversation will always yeah. happen. All I'm saying is, for the good of the sport, when the conversation happens behind closed doors, when it is something completely above board, and you, know, you scratch your head thinking, man, yeah. if he didn't quite understand yeah. that, maybe others don't, I just think it's the right thing to do. Reach out to the other teams and let them know. Yeah, and I, I am going to say this. Scott Miller said it. Uh, every spokesperson from NASCAR has said the same thing in the interest of safety, and I agree with that. Right. You send a car out there with three lugs, yeah. you, I, I don't care if he stops at the very, very end of pit road and another team puts his lugs on. You know, it, it is almost, and, and Scott said it, it is a self-imposed penalty for having to stop. You came in fourth or fifth or whatever, right. you had to stop, you added another four or five seconds, boom. He was at the back of the longest line, or at the back of the lead lap cars almost at, at that period of time. So it is a self-imposed penalty, and I think that's the way NASCAR looked at it. That's good. I like that part. Take that part and put it over here. Everybody up and down pit road not knowing what the rule is or how they're going to call it, put that over here yeah, 180 that's, degrees that's from it. That's, that's the part the that needs to be have to understand out. what's written down, but there has to be some explanation. Yes. The last thing we need is more rules, so I'm thankful yeah. that wasn't breaking a rule. Yeah. Let it be what it was, but I'm not up for any more regulation. Yeah. It, it, it's more than enough right now. It always used to be 10-4-A. Remember, that was always the rule. <laughs> I have a couple letters with that on it. 10 it used to be E-I-E-I-O, whatever they call But this one's 10.9. You know what this today's, is 10.9.7. You know today's date is 10.9. Oh, see, 17. I, I can put a 17. one down here. Yeah. That's 17. Yeah. yeah. Just you never want to have a letter with any of those dots on it. You don't it. want yeah. that. No. <laughs> so coming up, Dale Earnhardt Jr. made his final cup start at the track that helped raise him. The North Carolina native is more than a driver, he's a neighbor. We'll hear from some of those in his hometown on what Junior has meant to them. That's up next. Welcome back. A reminder about our Hall of Fame shows this week and next on Wednesday. This Wednesday, Danica Patrick joins us for the entire hour. Next week on Tuesday, October 17th, Dale Earnhardt Jr. is our special guest. Make sure you're with us for those two shows. And speaking of Dale Jr., he finished 12th in his final cup start at his home track of Charlotte Motor Speedway. Earnhardt, of course, grew up in the city of Kannapolis, which is about 13 miles from the track. Kannapolis has been the home to the Earnhardt family for generations before Sunday's race, some of Dale's neighbors gave a heartfelt thanks to their favorite adopted son. Good afternoon. We're here today to confirm the news you received this morning that I've decided to make this season my last as a NASCAR Cup driver. It's almost indescribable what Dale Jr. means to this area. He is this town. His name goes beyond words in this town. I taught Dale Jr. in high school 
He was shy, quiet, kind of slouched down in his seat. What's the question, dude? <laughs> just an average kid, but he just always had that drive to do the same thing his father did. When I would go by his desk, there would be a sheet of notebook paper and he's drawing a car. He earned it, the way he came up through Saturday night stock cars, through back then the Bush series. I watched him win his first race, and I was hooked. I fell in love with him. I was like, you're it. You're the real thing. You're genuine. He's always there for the fans. I met him five or six years ago at Talladega. He let me hang out with them the entire day. It was the coolest experience I ever had. He's an awesome guy. Dale, thank you. Thank you for, for all the memories that you've given us. Thank you for being true to who you were, the things you did for your fans, the things you did for your friends. For proving to people that you weren't just Dale Sr.'s son. For over two decades of providing the fans with fantastic racing. Thank you so much, Junior, for everything that you've done for us. I am really going to miss him, yeah. I think the whole NASCAR world is going to miss him. It's really going to be sad that we won't get to see you on Saturday and Sunday. NASCAR is sure going to miss you. I am. My whole family is. You made everybody proud here. Pretty special because it is the people who know him, who live you know next door down the street. I mean, you know him so well. As you're watching it, are you kind of nodding like, yep, that's Dale, yep, that's Dale. Oh, that's the guy. Listen, I learned very quickly that... Um, that he has a lot of fans. So when you run well, that's great. Yeah. And when you run bad, he has a lot of fans. But uh, no, I mean, I asked him, I actually did an event with him Sunday morning, and I asked him what it was like to run at Charlotte. And, and he gave a nice explanation of, of growing up there, his granddad living kind of just across the street, watching his dad run around there, playing in the, in the infield. So it was great to hear him talk about Charlotte, his hometown track. Yeah and how much it meant to him. But it was interesting because I asked what the last year meant, and he wouldn't answer yet because he said, I don't know, I'm trying to win yeah. races. I don't have time to think yeah. about that. So it's great to hear from the fans. And at some point, it'll all be over, and then we might be able to hear it from Dale. Yeah. But right now, I think he's still just trying to win races. At some point, that part will be over, and we will be able to hear from him because he's going to be sitting right here or right here on NBCSN or on NBC and in the booth with you guys and, and – pre-race, whatever, wherever he ends up. And he's going to be talking straight to the fans. Right. You're not going to have to see him get in a car and go out there and ride around. He's going to be telling you what it was like, how it was, what he grew up experiencing, and, and the stories of his life and how he interprets the sport because he loves the sport more than anything. And people think Kyle Petty's unfiltered? <laughs> ah, just wait and see. It's going to be oh, great. Oh wait, God. where's <laughs> Unbelievable. Well, next year, Alex Bowman will take the reins of the 88 Chevy for Hendrick Motorsports. On Saturday night, Bowman, driving the 42 car for Chip Ganassi, earned his first career Xfinity Series win at Charlotte Motor Speedway. This was Bowman's first Xfinity race since Miami of last year. Really cool moment, too, where he signed the flag and gave it to a fan. That's kind of becoming a tradition that we like. It's really cool to see the drivers do that. The first round in the Xfinity Series playoffs, it wrapped up Saturday night, and there was some high drama for that final transfer spot between Brendan Gaughan and Ryan Reed, a battle that in the end came down to a single point. Number three, I just need you to find my time right here. Just focus on yourself. Give me all you got. We're getting loose again here, man. Simple, 
into the round of eight. That is what I'm talking about. When you when they think we're done, they think we're out, we find a way. I'm so proud. That was so fun. Um, stressful. I mean, that points of the night, I thought we were done. Like, there's no way we can make up this deficit. But, I mean, that 16 group, those little diabetes uh, guys just, I mean, they don't quit. Uh, so proud of Phil and all the guys and her, my spotter up top for keeping me calm because there was points in the race where I was not. So, uh, up and down night for sure, and we, we're going to have to find more speed uh, going into the round of eight, but we're in the round of eight, and so that's what matters tonight. You know, it feels so good to be a kid with type 1 diabetes. Uh, just thought I wouldn't even be racing, and now I'm competing for a championship in the Xfinity Series. It's so fun. See Brendan gone, give him the yeah. you know, high five there. I think it was a low five. But, yeah, but it, I mean, the other storyline is that Brandon Jones in that 33 is teammate of, of Brendan Gaughan. Yeah. So it's trying like heck to get by Ryan Reed to put his teammate into the final round, well, or into I that think, next round. Well, and that is the perfect explanation of the NASCAR playoffs. One point. One point. One position. Six stages over three races, three checkered flags, three trophies, one position. Maybe a playoff point somewhere in the middle of the season. Maybe yeah. a, a, a top, a, you know, an eighth or a seventh place finish right. in one of the stages in the first three races. Could have changed the entire outcome. We saw the week before Ricky Stenhouse Jr. got through by a stage finish at Dover. And now here, Brandon Gaughan's eliminated by one point. That is what real pressure yeah. is about. And in the cup race, they were kind of on different sides <laughs> of the racetrack. But on Saturday night in Charlotte, they yeah. were not. Yeah. They were nose to tail, and listening to the radios was more entertainment than just the race cars because you heard it there. We're good on the tiebreak. Well, we're not good on the tiebreak. Right. Oh I need you to give a position. At one point, I want to be—I want to just go down there and be like, hey, guys, that kid's doing all he can. Yeah. I, th I think he needs to know the information, but I feel bad for him because he did a great job. And the 33, I think, felt bad. He had his nose inside that 16 a couple times, just couldn't, couldn't complete the pass cleanly. And I applaud Brandon Jones for keeping it clean yes. and trying yes. to go by him and letting it play out on the racetrack. Yeah, I, I think Steve's point is well taken. Charlotte was the first race mm -hmm. in the second round yep. of the cup playoffs. Yes. Okay, every point yesterday mattered. Yeah. Every single point mattered. We saw guys have career days at Charlotte as far as playoffs. And it's going to matter when we get to Kansas. It's going to matter a lot. Let me just say this. If I'm, if I'm Ryan Reed and they're telling me with two laps to go that, hey, we're not going to get the tiebreaker and you told me 20 laps ago, I'm going to key up that mic <laughs> and I'm going to scream at you for the last two laps of the yeah. race because that could have been catastrophic. Hey, listen, Kyle Busch has a problem at Talladega and makes yeah. it through in Kansas by a point. Go back and remember him laying on the grass yeah. at Charlotte. Exactly. Yeah. Because Good that's point. five points. Good point. That's five or six points. That could be the difference. Yeah. Will you remind me when we get to Kansas if we need to mention yeah, that's that? that's on you. That's I'll probably be laying on the grass in Kansas okay. somewhere. <laughs> out of luck. Out of luck. Coming up, Chase Elliott finished second for the third time in four playoff races. His finish at Charlotte, though, had a different feel than his heartbreaker last week at Dover. We will hear talk about Chase next on NASCAR America. Sunday, the NASCAR playoffs continue at the longest track in the sport, Talladega Super Speedway in Alabama, where anything goes. And a driver's hopes of advancing to the next round can be dashed in an instant. How's that for drama? Talladega, Sunday, 2 Eastern on NBC. Of course, Martin Truex Jr., the only one who can breathe easy following yesterday's win at Charlotte. He's on to the round of eight. The most consistent driver this postseason outside of Truex has been Chase Elliott, who finished second for the third time in the playoffs, Chase talked to Parker Kligerman after Sunday's race. 
we need to be a little better I think there in the middle stages of the race and not lose so much track position. And that was where Martin came on and got his track position and we lost ours and it was just hard to get all of it back there towards the end. So uh, hard fought day and really from where we were in those middle stages, I was proud of the way we fought back and was able to get back towards the front. So it's uh, refreshing to run like this. Definitely uh, try to run a second, but we'll, um, you know, if we keep running like we are, hopefully the opportunities will be there. You know, if we keep doing that, you know, it'll it'll figure itself out, and uh, that's all you can ask for. So we're gonna fight and go go grab it as much as we can and see what it's got to offer. You confident going to the Super Speedway? I am. I, I enjoy going to Talladega. I uh, tried to create lift last time, so I'd like to keep all four on the ground and uh, try to just keep it rolling there at the end, and and we'll uh, put up a good fight. This was Chase Elliott's sixth career runner-up finish, second most by a driver without a Cup Series victory. It also marked the first time he's finished second in back-to-back -back races. And Kyle, this was one of the, really the number one things you were wanting to watch on Sunday in the pre-race show. You said, let's see how yeah. Chase Elliott responds after that heartbreak at but, Dover. Because in the past, we've seen him have a second and not, not back it up. Now, I will say this. Those are Chase Elliott's second-place finishes. There's six of them. What's impressive to me is three of them have come in playoff races this year. That, that's impressive. Okay, when you look at the amount of time he's been here, they're picking it up at the right time. I know one of them's encumbered. That means nothing to me. He still got, he still has that second place finish. They put themselves in position. And they seem to be the team for me, as we talk about the big three of Truex and Kyle Busch and Kyle Larson, they seem to be that one team out of the rest of the pack that has upped their game a little bit. And going into this stage, I think this is a huge statement. The first race in the first race at Charlotte in round two and coming out and, and running in the top five and finishing second. So I'm going to look even bigger, even past this year's playoffs. I think what we're seeing Chase Elliott do this year is a major moment in his career because while he hasn't won that race, I think we all yeah. agree that's going to happen. And when it does happen, he's going to learn how to win races like Kyle Larson has, and we're going to see a run of those. But I think he's using this run in the playoffs how to react to the pressure and, to your point, yeah. stepping up to the pressure. I believe that Chase Elliott is going to go farther than anyone's bracket has him going. Yeah. And, and I think that is what you want. You know, when you look at any other sport, you know, all stars are made in the playoffs. I'm a true believer in that, whether it's a pitcher in baseball who can win races in October yeah. or a quarterback who can throw touchdowns in the playoffs. For a race car driver, it's who can overcome adversity in the playoffs. And that's what Chase is doing. Yeah. And that's what you mentioned. Three of those second place finishes in the playoffs. So uh, the win's going to come. But I think Alan Gustafson and Chase Elliott are kind of starting to step out of Jimmy Johnson's shadow just a little bit. Well, Jimmy Johnson is still the seven-time champ. Yeah. He's outrun the 48 in most, if not all, the playoff races. So I think that this 24 could be very dangerous if they can somehow get through. They're not supposed to be there. So if they yeah. can get to the round of eight, yeah. there's no telling what could happen. And do you feel it like going back to your comment, so all-stars are made in the playoffs of any sport because – you still have to perform, but you have to perform with that pressure weighing down on your shoulders. Is that what makes yeah, the difference? Yeah, I mean, Nate Ryan helped me write this article earlier at the beginning of the Wait, playoffs. Nate Ryan wrote the article. No, I'm just teasing. No. I'm just teasing. That's actually pretty accurate. But Nate Ryan wrote the article on my idea. But about how the playoffs increase the pressure on everyone involved. And I was there in 2014 yeah. with Dale Jr. trying to advance in the playoffs. It is so pressure-packed. Every decision in practice Every decision wins the pit. Every decision the driver makes on the racetrack, they're, they're multiplied because most of the world is watching the playoff cars, not the entire field. And it seems like Chase, a guy that normally puts pressure on himself, yes. you would yeah. think that would kind of crush the young yeah. man. 
the opposite. He's, he's, he's stepping out and performing better under the pressure of the playoffs. Yeah, and I, I agree. Looking at the way Steve just explained it, or as you go, say, a, a defining moment in his career, this is. I think we've seen it with younger drivers before. Just melt when they get right. to this place. They just disappear. You think, oh, my gosh, this is going to. Yeah. We saw it with Kyle Busch for a number of years. Remember, he was the king of the regular season and would disappear when we got to the playoffs. Chase and those guys and Allen have turned it around and are focused on where they're going. Now, can they go to the round of four at Homestead? They quite possibly can because I believe, like he says, they've already gone farther than I had them. But I believe they'll go farther than a lot of people, like you said, think they will. All right. And listen, you can count the syllables in that article to know that most of them are my words. Because <laughs> Nate would have used way better words. That's a good point. That's a very Big good words. point. It all Big comes words. back to that. All right. Coming up, Nate. Martin Truex Jr. was strong on the track Sunday at Charlotte. But so was his pit crew. We will show you how they impacted Truex's performance when NASCAR America returns. to racing. Overtime. They fan out three wide. White flag in the air. One more time around for Martin Truex Jr. The 37-year-old from New Jersey. Martin Truex Jr. will win the Bank of America 500. The 78-year winner. Here's a look at Martin Truex Jr.'s last seven pit stops from Sunday's race at Charlotte. This is the kind of stuff Steve lives for. The over-the-wall crew is on their game, helping Truex gain a total of 10 positions during these stops. No question, a total team effort. Not a typical run for the 78 team to start so far back, but they've worked their way to the front. Martin Truex Jr. will win the Bank of America 500. Chris Taylor, front tire changer, furniture row, auto owners insurance, Toyota Camry. Road mechanics, they made some good adjustments, and we made those adjustments up in road and picked up some spots. The 78 will get out in front of the four of Harvick, so potentially the pass for the lead could have just taken place on pit road. Got this sixth win of the year to advance to the next round of the playoffs. It's a good team effort today. Great job to all of these guys. It's been a banner year for Truex and the 78 team. Last year, they were eliminated in the round of 12. They don't have to worry about that this year. They know they are through to the round of eight. Great group of guys, and they are such a team. The way that, I mean, the yeah. way they were celebrating, I think that's what you pointed out yes. to Martin when he came and joined us, was I think the way you said, you said it almost, would, you would have thought it was their first, first win, lane. the first way lane. they were celebrating. And, and I told him, I said, I said I've been in victory lane a lot of times with another guy, but I've been to victory lane a lot of times. But the way they were, I, I, I promise you, Steve, you would have thought it was their first win at the cup level. The elation, the look on Colpern's face, the high fives, the spray into the beer, the cheering, the jumping. And, and I don't think it's not fake. It's like that's what they live for. That's what they strive for. That's something that they have. And, and listen, you've worked with a lot of teams. It's tough to maintain that. It is, but when that's real and that's the pure emotion, it tells me what kind of unison the team is working under. You know, it tells me that they truly appreciate Because it's one thing to say, hey, man, good job. Yeah. Hey, great job on this. But it's another thing to really appreciate 
what the other people do. We just heard from a pit crew member, and he thought enough on camera to, hey, thank them road mechanics. Yeah, right. They made great adjustments. That wasn't scripted. That's what he yeah. felt. And I think we heard Martin Trex Jr. saying in, in uh, victory lane, he goes, wow, we qualified bad. And for 20 minutes, I was mad. And for 20 minutes, Cole <laughs> wouldn't want to talk to me. And then they worked through it. And there's something about this team that I think not being in North Carolina perhaps helps them. Yeah. You know, they, they, there's just something. They have their own signature. They have their own approach. They have their own personality. I can't think of another crew chief that shows up in the garage every Friday morning wearing a T-shirt. Yeah, no. Cole Pern does. And why I say that, that's not a, a knock on Cole yeah. Pern. That is the approach and the mannerism of the entire 718. It starts with Barney Visser. Barney Visser is the type of guy that you would never pick out of a crowd. Super polite, very successful businessman. He's the first guy to come shake your hand. Yet I don't think there's a single day with the ups and downs at the 78 and the long road. People forget this team isn't new. He has had this team <laughs> for right. years. That's right. And he knows how hard it was to get now so close to the top of the mountain. And it goes all the way through the race team. That's a great point, though, the fact that there you would think it's a, a detriment to be all the way out in Denver, Colorado. But here, like, let's say, you know, Mooresville, Concord, North Carolina, you go out to dinner, you're going to see someone from a race shop or a race yeah. team. Yeah. They, they have to be a team. They have to be a yeah. group because they're a little bit on an island all the way out there. Yeah, but I, look, I'm going to go back in the history of, of the universe of NASCAR Please racing. Do. Let me get my pen Please out. Do. Okay. Junior Johnson, Rhonda, North Carolina. Mm -hmm. Bill Elliott, all the way down in Dawsonville, Georgia, when they were kicking rear ends and winning races. Petty Enterprises, Level Cross, North Carolina. These guys out in Denver. They didn't go where everybody was because they had their own way of doing things. They had their own philosophy. Junior Johnson, the Wood Brothers, yeah. I'll throw them in, in Stuart, Virginia. Stuart, Virginia. They had their own philosophy on how to do things, and they could teach that philosophy to their mechanics. They could teach that philosophy to, to their, their legions that were inside those buildings, and they went out and lived it every day. And I think that's what these guys have. That's one, one thing that these guys have going for them. Yeah, when you look at the world today, the most successful companies, they have big thinkers leading them, whether it's Amazon who's buying yeah. everything under the sun or whether it's a huge communications company, things that you and I try to discuss yeah. but we can't figure out. Those companies are rewriting the rule books of how businesses are run. That's what the 78's yeah. doing. You know, when you said, hey, we're going to base out of Colorado, I think everybody said, man, you're crazy. Why would you do such a thing? But Barney Visser hasn't cared. Then he yeah. said, you know what? My companies are going to be on the side of it. I'm not going to go get sponsors. Man, you're crazy once again. Yet he's continued yeah. on and found success. So there's just something about this team that they beat to their own drum. And now that drum ends up in victory lane. Yeah. So it's hard not to listen to it. Yeah, it's raining victory in Denver, Colorado. It's yes, also it snowing, by the way. Literally. It's Seriously? snowing. Well, that was what the, the news was this morning. Snowing in Colorado. Coming up, if you thought Sunday's race at Charlotte had drama, well, you ain't seen nothing yet. Up next is Talladega, track synonymous with chaos. It's tough because a driver can't always decide his own fate at Talladega. This place can shoot you up and spit you out in a hurry. And nowhere in any other sport do you not decide your own fate in the playoffs. Talladega certainly has a reputation of being unpredictable. Just ask Kyle Busch. Three years ago, he entered this race second in the playoff standings, 26 points above the cut line. Bush got caught up in a couple of wrecks that day, was eliminated from the playoffs when the race was over. Of course, that was when Talladega was an elimination race, uh, no longer the case. Uh, so you're looking at me, Steve. You have 
Oh, 26. How's that possible? Because he's only up 12 now, but everybody has him going into right. round eight. Yeah, yeah. That's Talladega. That's yeah. Talladega in a nutshell. Add in the stages, which is, uh, that is what I've been waiting for. Yeah. I, since the stages were announced, I have been waiting for the playoff race at Talladega because every year we go down there, and it, it used to be the cut race, which was yeah. awful because then teams knew they didn't have to race. They could ride right. around, which, now, I'm not, I'm not picking on the teams. I would yeah. have done the same thing if I only needed to score six points. That's good strategy. But it's bad entertainment. So let's move that race. Let's move to the middle of the round. There's no cruising this time, Kyle. And those stage <laughs> points have proved to be so valuable. I don't think you can cruise in the stages either. No, you can't cruise in the stages. But how do you score points in the stages? Because the problem with Talladega, and we saw it a, a few years ago, Jeff Gordon comes off turn four out of the playoffs. <laughs> Trial, he's back in the playoff, or he's, he's back in. Then he's almost out. Then he's back in again. That's the, that's, I guess that's what I'm talking about. We, these, the accidents are one thing, okay? We can show accidents yeah. all day long. If we just show straight-up hard racing on the last lap of a segment, you could be running second at the line, come back around, and be 15th or 20th. And we've seen that a million times. So how do you position yourself in there? How do you put yourself in that position? We've seen guys lead and block both lines and keep those lines. But if you're in those lines back there and you're fourth, or your fifth, or your eighth, or your fifteenth. You don't just drive up there and say, "I'm gonna go get me three or four points right here, man." That's what I want to do. Yeah. It doesn't work that way. I was keeping notes as he was talking because I'll be in the booth, so I'm yes. studying up the pit crew. <laughs> that was the big rule this yeah. week that we need. Okay, so five minute rule that's going to come into effect because there's going to be some wreckage. So huge. the overtime that's going to come in, I'm sure. Blocking out of bounds. I'm getting all of the stuff yeah. because all of that will be a topic yeah. of conversation at the craziest yeah. 2.6. I mean, it's not even a crazy. It's, it's an odd length, 2.66 yeah. miles. Yeah. There's nothing standard about Talladega. Yeah. And it, listen, there's never been a normal race there. Uh, <laughs> if you go back and look at it, there's always something that happens that makes one Talladega differentiates it from yeah. another one. Yeah. If you want a little highlight too on Saturday, this truck it's still their cut race. So we've got right. a whole weekend of chaos. Yeah. And when great. you wrote your notes down, did you use multiple capitals? Uh, well, they're just intermixed. Yeah. That way you know it's my you notes. use Raleigh and Albany and... Oh, you mean no, different, yeah. Capital, capital letters. letters. Capital, capital letters. I can't believe they let two show together. I can't hey, either. Man, that's good. Woo. And I didn't get either of them confused. <laughs> Steve LaTarte, Kyle Petty. It's good. It's good, good stuff. That's all for NASCAR America. For all of your NASCAR news, log on to NBCSports.com slash NASCAR. We will be back Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern with Scan All, among other things. And don't forget Danica's on Wednesday. Thanks for watching. This Father's Day, the Home Depot has same-day delivery on the perfect gift to help dad be everything he can be. Because your dad is more than just a dad. He's groundskeeper of the yard, the perfecter of the patio, and the cleaner of the clippings. Let the Home Depot help power dad's doing with the convenience and gas-like power of Milwaukee cordless outdoor tools. Plus, get up to $150 off select Milwaukee tools. For everything dad is, find the perfect gift at the Home Depot. How doers get more done. Order select and stock items by 4 p.m. subject to availability.